0: Forward of Selected Poems of Yone Noguchi. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo. Selected Poems of Yone Noguchi, by Yone Noguchi. Forward i often wonder at the difference between the words of english poets and the daily speech of common people and i think that it is not necessary to go to milton or dryden for the proof the poetical words used by tennyson browning francis thompson and even Yeats are certainly different from those spoken in the london streets or an english village shadowed by a church spire or darkened by dense foliage. But, on the other hand, how similar are the words of Japanese poets and those of the common people? Is it that the Japanese poets, whether they be Uta poets or Haku writers, are condescending to the common people? Or is it that the common people of Japan are entering into the realm of poesy? or is it that our japanese phraseology belongs to either of them or does not belong to either of them through its virtue of being neutral nature suppose a pensive young lady is standing by a veranda opened to the garden with blooming cherry trees and her eyes are following the snow-white petals of cherry blossoms hastening to the ground and suppose she murmurs With a sigh why do the flowers fall in such a flurry now compare such an exclamation with the following uta poem by kino tomonori tis the spring day with lovely faraway light why must the flowers fall with hearts unquiet it is plain to see how the words of japanese poets and common people join hands this particular point is most worthy of notice in the discussion of the differences and similarities between the East and West in literature it is said in the West that the poets are a race apart the fact that our Japanese poets are not a race apart should be the very focus for a discussion of Japanese poets while in the West the poets claim special regard and indeed immortality for themselves we in japan treat the poet as a natural phenomena as natural as a flower or bird i admit that we japanese as poets are lacking in creative power and do not aim like many western poets at becoming rebuilders of life we are taught not to do with poetry as a mere art, but to look upon it as the most necessary principle along which our real life shall be developed. When we kneel before poetry, it is our desire to create a clarified pure realm where we can, through the inspiration of rhythm, arrange our own minds. And then we recognize the existence of the compromising ground of passion. Where we as members of society find our safety what great uncompromising creators of passion were shelley byron browning and swinburne they were so earnest in their desire for the recreation of life and not afraid were they when their desire reached its climax even to risk reaching a condition of confused intricacy they were indeed great and wonderful heroes We cannot help thinking, on the other hand, what cowards the majority of Japanese poets have been. I respect that attitude of Western poets in wishing to rebuild or recreate their own lives, and also I can well understand why they ascribe importance to their intellectual power. A great literary danger lies in this, of course, because there is nothing more sad and terrible for poets Than to enslave themselves to intellect but we have also our own literary danger i mean that we often mistake a simple and cold morality for an art i should like to know what is a more dangerous thing for poets than this sad morality there are only a few japanese poets who have failed from their abuse of moods and passions but we know so many cases wherein their poetical failure was quite complete under the stifling breath of conventional morality this damage would not necessarily be below that inflicted by intellect it might be greater we notice that the western poets often attempt to discover a poetical theory even in the waving plates of apollo's robe and analyze intellectually a little cloud flying in the sky admitting that their poetical theory and intellectual power are doubtless great i have no hesitation in declaring that it is they who harden shrink and wither their own art it is true to say that they owe much to the matter of form for the great development of their epics and dramas also it is true that the undeveloped form of japanese poetry has given a mighty freedom for our poets to fly into an invisible spiritual domain. We can say again that, if these poets, both of the West and the East, often stray into the field of non-poetry, it is the result of their too-close attachment to forms. Of course, we want more passion and intellect in our Japanese poets, and also properly tempered patience and effort. And at the same time, we should hope that the Western poets would forget their passion and intellect to advantage and enter into the real poetical life born out of awakening from madness. I have no quarrel with a critic when he applies the word mad to his Western poets, but we Japanese would be pleased to see and admire the rare moment when madness grows strangely calm. And returns to its normal condition and there we will find our own real poetry not the moving dynamic aspect of all the phenomena but their settled still aspect inspired the japanese poets at least the japanese poets of olden days to real poetry but i know that the times are changing when we must i think cultivate the really living dynamic life and I am afraid, with many others, that such a new literary step may bring us into an unhappy compromise with Western literature. Of course, there are poets and writers, both of the East and West, who know only how to compromise. But, on the other hand, we have a natural-born Easterner, for instance, Wordsworth, in the West, and there may be a natural-born Westerner in the East, Who will bring the east and west together into true understanding not through faint-hearted compromise but by the real strength of independence which alone knows the meaning of harmony today we must readjust the meanings of all things or give a new interpretation to all the old meanings and we must solve the problem of life and the world from our real obedience to laws and knowledge That will make the inevitable turn to a living song and learn the true meaning of time from the evanescence of psychical life. Then our human lives will become true and living. We must realize the ephemeral aspect of moments when time moves and also the still aspect of infinity when it settles down. Seek the meaning of moments out of the bosom of infinity and again that of infinity from the changing heart of moments that is the secret of real poetry the moments that suggest the still aspect of infinity are accidental therefore living again the infinity that is nothing but another revelation of moments is absolute therefore quite and full of strength and truth the real poetry should be accidental and also absolute see the river and trees see the smiling garden flowers see the breaking clouds of the sky see also the lonely moon walking a precipitate pathless way through the clouds the natural phenomena are under any circumstances revealing both meanings of the accidentalism which is born from the absolute when our great poets of Japan write only of a shiver of a tree or a flower, of a single isolated aspect of nature, that means they are singing of infinity from its accidental revelation. The poetical attitude of Wordsworth was anarchical when, singing of the small celandine, daisy, and daffodils, he gave even a little natural phenomenon. A great sense of dignity by making it a center of the universe and broke the stupid sense of proportion by looking on things without discrimination he was pantheistic like nearly all japanese poets and painters because he was never troubled by any intellectual differentiation and his clear and guileless eyes went straight into the simplicity That joined the universe and himself into one his poetical sensibility was very true and plain and he gained a real sense of the depth of space the amplitude of time and the circle of the universal law and made his life's exigency a new turn of rhythm i am glad to think of wordsworth as the first easterner of english literature i do not know what one critic means when he calls robert bridges the father of the new poetry unless he means that bridges has regained the artless bent of the poetical mind which was lost under the physical vulgarization of the mid-victorian age and that he has opened his honest eyes upon nature and life he like our japanese uta or haku poets gazes on life's essential aspects. If the Japanese poets teach the Western poets anything, it is how to return to the most important feature of poetry after clearing away all the debris of literature. Their expression is simple, therefore mysterious in many respects. As it is mysterious, it is vivid and fresh. There is nothing more wonderful than the phrase seeing poetry exactly nobody who has never lived in poetry fully claims to see its exact existence and you cannot be taught how to live in it by reason or argument you must have a sense of adoration that comes only from poetical concentration the time is coming when as with international politics where the understanding of the east with the west is already an unmistakable fact, the poetries of these two different worlds will approach of one another and exchange their cordial greetings. If I am not mistaken, the writers of free verse of the West will be ambassadors to us. My acknowledgments are due to the editor of the Outlook, New York, for permission to reprint this essay which has appeared in his pages and a forward